going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. Man, what a weekend of fighting. We're going to break down UFC Boston. And oh boy, what an event it was. Go down, like, and subscribe. Comment your thoughts of the new champion and still champions that ended up this weekend. As always, I'm Paul. Pick a win, I'm Concha. I got my drink poured up. And who's with me? And I'm also known as the saltiest motherfucker alive. Your boy Kev, water boy, boy, a.k.a. the Don P.Y.E., a.k.a. in the closet, Aljo Stan. Again, we back in the closet. Gotta be quiet. Can't say nothing no more. But probably, man, 292 was an interesting card. There were definitely some shocking moments on that bitch. A lot of people are saying there was – it kind of had a little mix of everything, shocking moments, outstanding fights. There was a point Ass where whooping. people – Ass whoopings like a motherfucker. There, there's a point where people, there was a point where people. I can't remember exactly which fight. I remember when we talked about it. People were spazzing about one of the decisions. You had a legend and Chris Weidman coming back. This card Loki had a setup for everything, but like, I don't think it was that great a card. I just think it was set up to be spectacular and it just held it down. Like it's not no UFC 290. It's not no motherfucking. But it's still a great card though. Like I think it was good. But maybe. That Aljo versus Henry Cejudo card might have been a little better. I'm gonna go rewatch when they both come back. But um, it was it just had everything it needed to take to be a great card and an awesome crowd. But it was a good, so it was a good card. But I don't think it was a great card. So you see, that's why I'm not wearing my Dana White T-shirt for this episode right now. Oh, there was you know the every the last three the last two pay-per-views back to back Dana White recap T-shirt on. Why? Because it was a banger of a card, and it was a good card. It wasn't a bad card, but I will say that the finish of the the main event saved this card from being a bad card. If this if this if every fight went to a, a decision on the main card, you know, no MMA fans, we got like short spans. Like we can't, we're not gonna sit there for like an hour and a half main card if every fight's going to decision, and then you're giving me the Modelo commercials, some Toya tire commercials. Like you're giving me all that shit, also. Like I'm not like so it was a I think it was a it was a roller coaster when there was some big shit that happened like the katana and fight that happened we're up here we're at the fucking peak we're rolling it but then we go downhill with some decisions and then Sugar Sean it's so funny I was telling my coworkers at work who had no idea what UFC is and don't really care I'm just sitting here like like it was slow as fuck on for a Saturday and they were like why is it so slow I'm like everyone's at home they're like why I'm like for the Sugar Show. And, like, <laughs> first, like, two hours, they thought it was some, like, Netflix show about, like, baking or something. And I'm just, like, they're, like, what's the sugar show? And I'm, like, the sugar show, Sugar Sean O'Malley's fighting tonight. And then all of a sudden, like, but then I didn't, well, like, we're going to open up with the egg on our head segment. But, like, we and you went out bad with the whole. Oh, went out bad. Early. Like, we were, we were. But the worst part is I doubled up on my bets. Like, <laughs> I had money. I had parlays already sitting. The last leg left was Aljamain, and I should have let the parlay sit. Like, okay, I'm still going to win if Aljamain wins. But now I was like, fuck it. Here, Jasmine, I'm going to send you some money. Can you send some money to my Bitcoin so I can put some money on the books? And then all of a sudden I wake up. Bro, I, I don't, don't even know this, but I actually fell asleep in between the the Lemos main event to the um the way the way Lee main event to Sugar Sean. Next time I wake up, fuck what happened. I have to go check the ESPN. I see Sugar second round KO. I'm like, 
oh, where the I woke up in the twilight zone. Oh no, my bank account. Oh no, oh no. Open up my, my betting app. I just lost, 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 lost. And I was like, the Aljamain anchor was on every single one. Rest winners. Aljamain anchor on every bet just sunk my ass, bro. It'd but, be like that. Yeah. Great, good card. Let's open up. I mean, we the egg on our head. We went out back, Kev. I, at one point, I did say, Sugar Sean, we need a gun to win this fight come Saturday. Yeah, I, didn't know, I didn't know that right hand was the fucking pistol, bro. They didn't tell me. And we'll talk more about it when we break down this card. But I, I agree, egg on your head. And this was an interesting feeling, though, because I'm so happy for Sean O'Malley. Like, that's why I said I'm not a mad motherfucker. I'm a salty motherfucker. I'm so happy. I'm watching this press conference with no sound on right now just because of how happy and excited I am for Brody. But at the same time, Aljo, man, you could have won that one. Like, you won the first, you definitely won the first round between all three judges. And it was just like, we'll talk more when we break down this card. But this shit left me, re- left a really sour taste in my mouth. I was like, not only did you lose, but you lost because you just didn't like handle business the way you were supposed to. You kind of, we'll talk more about it. But I was just sitting, I was going to call you afterwards, but like, I was just sitting in the room for like a good two hours. Like, I probably didn't. Go to sleep to like 3 a.m. And um two hours just like listening to music, but not like music was playing in the background, but I wasn't listening. And I was like, oh, let me throw the press conference on. Didn't want to watch it. Didn't want to watch it. I'm watching it now. But um this shit left a really salty sour taste. Now it wasn't until I looked up and I'm like, oh fuck, it's 3 30. Damn. Like I've been sitting here for a minute not doing shit. I was burning a little bit, putting a couple in the air, but like that's it. I mean, you kind of know how to feel. I was wrong, and I don't like being wrong. I'm happy Sean O'Malley has come from the bottom to the top. Love to see it every time. Dana, you finally see Dana White lit because they finally, somebody that they were pushing, finally motherfucking did what they were supposed to do and get the doves. Like, it's a great, it was just an interesting roller coaster. And then I also didn't want to, I didn't even join any Twitter spaces because, like, I didn't want to listen to niggas talk shit to me about being wrong to take away from, like, yo, Sean O'Malley is fucking champion right now, perspective. We'll, get, we'll hit on more of that fight uh, towards the end of this episode. We're going to go down, as usual, bottom to top, breaking shit down, talking what we thought of the fights. And I'm just going to open it up here, bro, like, tough. Tough? Was, I, know, I know you weren't the biggest fan of the tough season. I didn't even watch it, so I can't speak on it. But, man, that fight right there for katana versus gibson that would that make any mma fan want to go back and rewatch that season i mean shit it made me want to go watch that season Oof, there's that step back right hand i literally looked up and i seen that shit i was like god damn i gotta make sure to keep this but no shout out fucking um brad katana shout out me called that shit from the the second i seen bro fighting the um before I even knew he he had won tough before, I seen I called him when I seen bro fighting um the fights to get onto the um, to the show, I was like oh he's a prophet. Yeah, and you made yeah. it an official pick like the second episode we did of the tough series. You was mm-hmm. I asked you and I was I was like if you got to pick one out of this remaining lot who's gonna win it all and you like immediately Brad Katana Brad probably gonna win it all but like yeah fine I could pick somebody else. Yeah, I was about to say like Brad, like the first, the second I seen Brody, I was like, yeah, Brad's gonna fuck him up. Brad's gonna fuck him all up, and that's what he did. He fought a lot of good fights. I think the second, the semifinal fight, 
was against what's his name? I want to say it was against the Dagestani, and that was a war. So Brad, shout out Brad Katana for me. Yeah, that was against the Dagestani dude. Um, yeah. Um, what's his name? Tamir Vilev. He's um he's um friends with um he's friends with Islam. That's why Islam was on the show. And he fought the dude that um had the he has he's the person that had to cut weight twice because the dude had something on his face. Romeo called it herpes. So when I seen Cody Gibson fight dude right, I mean um Brad Katana fight dude right there. That's when I knew like oh this dude is about to be a hitter. But what I wasn't expecting was Cody Gibson to be a big dog brawling motherfucker because this fight was a banger. I didn't see the whole thing, but every fight I saw, every moment I saw. Them boys were throwing them shits. 600 strikes thrown between the both of them. Fucking insane. In a three-round fight, that means they're averaging 100 per person. Because, I mean, Gibson threw 273 to uh, Bracketana's 327, which combined equals 600 exactly. So that's like damn near 100 strikes thrown per round. Like, five-minute round, that's 20, that's 20 strikes per minute. Like, that's there's an insane volume and like Kev before we started Kev pointed out like come like a minute two minutes left in that third round they weren't even dodging no more they were just throwing getting punched throwing getting punched and and that's what I think tough needed like tough we didn't like I don't know like they're still trying to figure out what the winning recipe is right now but if you put on fights like that throughout the year that's the winning recipe I don't give a fuck what what else you got going I don't care who's the coaches like there's that right there, even it was that was cherry on top. I think that's gonna save tough. Is you know, like you can have a terrible season, no one gives a fuck, no one gives a fuck, but then you leave off with a good taste in people's mouth, and it's like, hmm, I guess we'll have another season. It's like when a, a show could be mid the whole show, but then that the, the season finale is a banger. You're, you'll forget about how how mid the show was. You'll be like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to run it back for the next season. Nah, dead ass. But yeah, that shit was fire. Shout out Cody Gibson. I hope they both get motherfucking on contracts. They both deserved it. Motherfucking. That shit's crazy. But this wasn't the only tough fight. How'd you feel about my dog Austin Hubbard getting choked out with triangle choked out by, um, or oh, I can't even think of his name right now. It's crazy. Holoball? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hubbard was, he was shooting the takedowns. He got a couple of them. And then this, like, that boy, Hoboblog, I mean, I, I didn't know much about them, but leaving the fight, I realized, like, okay, Hoboblog got a legit BJJ, like, kind of, even off his back, he was still trying to shoot some submission attempts. So, like, I, I, I like BJJ. I like BJJ off your back, especially if you can get the submission off your back. And to me, I'm just like, oh, shit, like, you're dangerous offensively and defensively. So I'm going to pay attention to him. But, I mean, to me, it was just another filler fight getting along with the show. I didn't really care too much about it, take much away. It wasn't like the other tough finale fight. And I think that that's, if, if the other tough finale fight wasn't as much of a banger, I probably would have more to talk about on this one. But the other one was just, to me, it was so much better that, like, I don't really care about this one right here. <laughs> like, the other one was like, holy shit. Nah, but the way – one thing I do have to say about this fight is that the way that he's the way that he transitioned is fucking insane. So like just this entire sequence like is fucking crazy. You got Brody right here. Take it back. This is after he taps him out. Takes him to the replay. Gets his ass, boom, hits his ass. Cracks his ass, gets his ass on the floor, immediately looking for a submission. 
climbs in, looks, sees, feels the arm bar. He's looking for the arm bar. He's grabbing the arm bar. Got it. Arm bar. it is, you want to roll? No, oh, that's no a great problem. Ball. Right into the triangle. No problem. If you want to roll, we practice that. Straight into the triangle choke. And tap my boy out. And tap my out. And Austin Hubbard was a hitter. Dude. Austin Hubbard wasn't like a UFC. It wasn't like a tough, like, just a random motherfucker that made it or caught a couple. Austin Hubbard was nice all season. And for Cody, for um, Hubbard to just show his, show, put on just a quick, a quick masterclass, it's pretty nice. What did he get that finish in the second or the first? Second. Yeah, that was pretty smooth. So hopefully these dudes motherfucking can do things, do things in the UFC. And I think that's what Tough needs. Tough needs motherfuckers that they, they, they win the show and then actually go and win fights, like really make shit happen. Like, I want. I don't know who the last champion was, but like maybe Juliana Pena was um the last um tough last um tough fighter to become champion. Maybe Alexander. Maybe Brian Alex. Brian Battle comes to mind for recent winners, but he didn't get a championship. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about tough fighters that have got a championship. I mean, you can make a you can make an argument that um Moreno was a motherfucking um champion, but Pantoja knocked him off. You can make an argument Pantoja for too. Pantoja. Pantoja you can make an argument for Pantoja. Did Pantoja win or did he get knocked off? I think he won Ultimate Fighter. I think he got knocked off. I think he beat um Moreno in um in the semis. Yeah, no, I know he beat him in the semis, but I I can't I wouldn't be able to tell you who beat him in the finale if he did lose. Yeah, so that's what I'm th- that's what I'm thinking about. Like there's a lot of motherfuckers that um they just need to win. They need to go into the UFC and win. If they can go into the UFC, get a bag, win, motherfuckers might start respecting tough again. But I don't think they're putting those people in there. Those are the Jamal Hills and the Sugar Sean O'Malley's. Oh, they about, I mean, I don't know if they'll ever do it, but what about you get, like, instead of finding, like, 20 motherfuckers that are eh, go out and find, like, your, your solid, like, six to eight tough that you would be like, I am. this will be my tough fighters, and then, like, a solid core group of six to eight. And then get contender series winners or contract getters. And then just have a contender series versus tough type thing. I don't know. I doubt they'll ever do it because I feel like one might expose the other. And you can't have that. You got to have two good products. You can't have one product dominate the other. And then not everyone's looking at this product down here. Like, but I think that would be kind of fun, like looking into it. Like just get a or even make a card like that. If you happen to line up enough people at different weight classes, get like the tough winners versus contender series winners there. I don't know. I think that's it. I think that'd be a good um that'd be a good idea. And they would just have to plan that bitch out like a year ahead. Cause you know, like after tough contender series goes on. So I, I don't know if they would want to come the tough fighters to do that. But I also look at it not just to condemn the UFC, but it's also easier to go to the contender series. Like if I'm a fighter, if I'm a fighter. What would I rather do? Go go fight on the Dana White Contender Series for a motherfucking week, win that bitch and get a contract, or go fight in this tournament and go live in this house with motherfuckers for I don't know how long. And you're and cut off to your society because they take your phone, they take all that. You can't be like everything, especially I know projects with reality TV. The moment you're signed up to it, like you're cut off from your family and everyone you know for the next six months. That's why when they bring in the families, they be crying and like, oh my god, I missed you. Like it's. Yeah, like you just don't like. Would you rather be cut off from society and maybe not even get money? Because even if you lose, you can't go back home and start talking about the shit that happened. Like they be having you as wait around until the show is finally done being filmed. Yeah, 
So that's interesting. Like even in the Trayshawn Gore interview on the Bourbon and Bud podcast, he spoke on that a little bit. So I think it's easier as a fighter. Like it's more and it's more appealing to say, hey, let me get a spot on the contender series. Let me earn a spot on the contender series. Go to the contender series, knock a motherfucker out and be like a Bo Nickel or a Sugar Sean O'Malley or Jamal Hill. Like let's win it that way type shit. All right. Well, shout out to the tough fighters. They showed out. I mean, both fights were great. Like, you didn't have to say this was a tough fight. Like, I would have watched this fight on normal main card and been, or normal prelim and been very fucking happy with both of the fights. I would be happy with their main card fights, too. <laughs> but then let's get into This was almost the egg on the head. I mean, it, it still is egg on the head for me personally. But the other one was just a shared egg on our head because it was just so bad for both of us. But Brad Tavares... Gets the Namus decision win over Chris Weidman. Yeah, he gets the win, but there was no oh my god moment. And now I'm at the point where like I'm out on Brad Tavares. I'm no longer campaigning for him for anything. But yeah, he got 30-27s. He fucking obliterated Chris Weidman's leg the whole fight. And then pieced up a few solid shots here or there. But I like Weidman, I don't think was ever in any serious trouble of ever getting knocked out. And I'm just like, bro, what the fuck, Tavares? Like you this is a 39-year-old guy from who's about to turn 40 in a few months first off you're you're an asshole you're an asshole brad taurus for front kicking somebody who leg literally got shattered two years ago like that's an asshole move bro like i understand all like it's all fair and love and war but come on man this guy's 40 years old it's his brand new leg and you're over here that's hot wow that's over and over like reach trying to re-break that bitch it looked like and the thing about it was even um chat even um wise even Chad Weidman um Chad or Chris Chris uh, Chris Chris why Chris, Chris Weidman even said like yo is he going for my bad leg yeah like what the fuck are you doing this ain't a good look bro you, Ray, Longo, good Ray, Longo, look. Ray Longo said he said that like mid fight type shit <laughs> hey but they made that boy Weidman the billion dollar man they rebuilt him they made him stronger that leg is tougher from what it looks like. Maybe we we gotta keep that in mind when we talk about Connor's next fight, maybe December. Nah, they said um in the press conference, Dana White said Connor's next year. Yeah, no, he did, but then Connor came back after that and like reiterated December. And then Sugar Sean and Connor talked like they didn't leak like post photos, but they openly discussed what their messages were like. And Connor messaged Sugar Sean saying, Great win, mate. I always knew you could do it or some shit. And then Sugar was like, um, thank you. And then he followed up like, so what? You main eventing for December and I'm a co-main event? And Sh- Conor McGregor said, shot collar. That's all he said back. We'll see. That'd be interesting. We'll see. Hopefully that does happen. Yeah, that'd be fun. But yeah, no. But I mean, outside of that, this fight, very uninteresting to me for a featured prelim. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't. I mean, I think it was a sign of what to come for the next couple of fights. But it, Brad Tavares got the win. That's all I could take from it. And he did it. He did it sleazy. Yeah, shysty Tavares. Ice. Sleazy Tavares. We're going to have him on the show one day. I'm be like, so you had to go for his leg? You said, you say, yo, I'm getting this dub no matter what. Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Then uh, Cheeto, Cheeto Vera gets a Gets an unanimous decision over Pedro Munoz. This was my dog of the race here. I wasn't too mad when Pedro Munoz lost, but I will say the 30-27 judges 
kind of wild because the second round in particular is like by far to me and like mostly anyone I was watching was a Pedro Munoz round where it was like 42 strikes compared to uh, Cheeto's like 20. And it wasn't really any moments of like him about to be getting KO'd or anything to like worry like, oh, well, the damage versus output. So Cheeto won. And maybe this sets up for the Sugar Sean rematch. I mean, that's what everyone keeps learning, alluding to, where pay-per-view number-wise, that would probably be the best pay-per-view. for. And Dana likes his pay-per-views. So, like, if you can sell it, you'll probably get to jump some people who should be ahead of you. I mean, I think it's just perfect timing for him because it's – um, well, first off, fight was cool. Um, I want to say it was boring. I feel like there was a lot of back and forth exchanges. I think his strategy always fucks me up. So ever since Sanhagen broke it down, I was like, yo, Loki, that's a terrible strategy. If you're willing to give up the first three rounds and then like turn just to turn it up in the two. I think that's a Cheeto thing. It just there's something in there's something in his um strategy, in his um game plan that says, yo, we're gonna take it slow, we're gonna download the data, and then we're gonna turn it up on him in the later rounds. And like it's that power. I, he believes that power is going to hurt him and change the fight. So, yeah, I respect it, but I wouldn't go for it. But it's interesting because I think it's just perfect timing. I think that's why another reason why Sean won it in December because, like, San Hagen, six months, gone. Marab, still ain't got no hand, I think. Gone. Motherfucking Aljo, just got beat. Motherfucking Cejudo, shoulder hurt. Gone. Yawn. Who, who cares? We already seen it. Like, it just makes it just makes the sense at the time, and it'll sell well, and it'll be a great way to end the year. And sometimes it isn't about you know like it's not about what you do and all your resume and everything. Sometimes it's who you know, and it just so happens that Cheeto and Sean have some sort of drama already brewing, and he just that you're gonna probably skip a line. Like it just happens in real life and in fighting terms, it just happens. Sometimes the person who happens to know the right people and be in the right spot at the right time with the right background, you get fucking front line to the front. No, but like five round fight, Sean O'Malley might kill him. I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh yeah, no O'Malley still is yet to see past the third round. So that's this is gonna that I feel like that's still gonna be a question mark moving forward. But I mean he definitely I mean some people don't need it. You don't need it. Oh uh, yeah. Well yeah shout out to you though for getting the win. My boy said, fuck the haircut. He's growing everything out, doing his thing. So shout out that boy. And then we had Mario Batista, Namus decision over DeMond Blackshear, which was a fun fight. I I do have Mario Batista winning it. There were some people trying to argue that they feel like DeMond Blackshear should have won and the scorecards are outrageous, all this, da-da-da-da. But, I mean, Mario, Mario Batista, to me, he showed – he hurt him in some instances, not like KO hurt him, but he definitely had him hurt when he was cracking him, and I just feel like he had the better shots. Sue me. Sue me. I'm crying. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think um, I think 30-27 on this fight is a little wild because I can definitely give Damon Blackshear the first round. I think he came out aggressive, and if he had fought like that for all three rounds, it might have had a different a different outcome. outcome. But it, at the end of the day, it does come down to, like, I just feel like Damon Blackshear landed shots, but motherfucking Mario Batista landed better shots. That's just it. And then this is when we started getting into the more juicier fights. Ian Gary 
obliterates Neil Magny, destroys the front leg, first kick of the fight, blows it out. What's up, Kev? So we got to get to this press conference before we say anything about this fight. As as y'all know, we record pre-press conference, so we, we didn't get to talk about the fucking doozy we were in for. So that's something I meant to bring up when I was talking about how good the card was, but I had to defend I'm not saying the card was that, so I forgot. But this was a great press conference for this fucking card. I will say one of my favorite press conferences. It's up there with um I forgot Easy. what what um, Piera when Sugar Sean not Sugar when Sean, Sean Strickland was yep. literally I'm glad you knew that because literally because I remember I was watching that on the podcast and I was like, yo, there's some dude named Sean Strickland. He just said he's about he would murder everybody in the room. Hold Killed. on, for it. Hold on, y'all boys. I, I'm tapping in real quick. You over there? I'll kill you. Like, whoa. Yeah, I said I'd be in fucking prison right now for fucking killing all of y'all. I was like, oh, shit. I've never seen this guy before. But um, this was a really good press conference. The back and forth between Aldo and Sean would be cool. was cool because Sean was just so chill and so un- unbothered. And he said that it was nerves. But, oh, man, it was great. But Ian Gary and Neil Magny. Was no back and forth because Ian Gary, I guess Neil Magny said something about hitting children, and Ian Gary wasn't going for it. Ian Gary, don't get me wrong, me personally, I just get my ass whooped. I I I understand why Ian Gary feels that way. I personally would probably, I do believe in disciplining children, just but maybe not to an extent to where like not extent of like not extent to where it's borderline child abuse, like. But. And Gary wasn't going for that. He said, you never raise your, ne- never, never fucking raise your hand to the kid. And then. I feel bad for Neil Magny's son after this fight, bro. I'm going to say that. <laughs> continue, continue. Bro, I'm not going to lie to you. No disrespect. I don't even like talking about niggas' families and shit. But if that was my stepdad and I, he hit me, my stepdad hit me and I watched on TV him get fucking 30, 24. Oh, yeah, bro. I'm, bro, you ain't telling me shit when we get back to the house. I'm like, fuck. I'm telling Ian Gary if you touch me, he's going to do it again. <laughs> I'm going to hit him with the meanest leg kick. Like, oh, yeah, you, you're not trained for that. Nah, for real. But that shit was crazy. But the craziest thing about it was Ian Gary spaz. I told y'all he was gassed up. I told you he was coming on one. This motherfucker then said, nobody can answer questions. Nobody is allowed. I'm not allowing anybody to ask Neil Magny questions. He needs to sit down and think about what the fuck he did. And that's exactly what Ian Gary did. That shit was crazy. <laughs> Bro, Ian Gary is the real deal. Even Gator, I'm mad he's not here. I texted him and I was like, You just see fuck you see Gary beating the shit out of him right now. And he's just like Unfortunately, Ian Gary is him. And I was like, because he's not a big Ian Gary fan either. He didn't believe in the hype. And like at this point, like there was some Tom. That boy Tom was trying to defend it from the small craters chat. Like, oh, I'm he didn't get the finish. Bro, we just watched the man that's 10-8, the number 11th ranked pound welterweight in the world. That's completely, mm-hmm. absolutely dog walking from sec first second to last second. And someone even pointed out, you ever play UFC? I'm a big UFC uh, guy on the uh, sticks. If you get a leg kick and the guy's like stunned about to get, there's a way to spam leg kicks and you get the KO by leg kick. And they're like, it's kind of bullshit. Like, you know, like who the fuck's playing the game to get the KO by the leg kick type shit. So they're saying Ian Gary's playing fucking UFC four right now. And he don't want to win with a lame ass leg kick. So he's trying to, and, and, and like, there was that moments where if Ian Gary would have just threw another one, 
ref probably would have stopped it. Even even the commentators are pointing that out. Like Ian Gary is is not it's not just that like the leg kick's hurting him, it's the reaction he's giving the ref. Because the moment a leg kick, he would fall, like wince, like almost be like complete like how someone would be with a liver shot, like defenses and pain. And it's like at some point if that that would like all Ian Gary had to do was get him back up and then kick it again. But he didn't. He would like, go back into trying to mix in the combos, and he did. There was even one, like, mean liver punch. That was a center. Like, ooh, like, oh, my God. Like, where – like, I'm not going to say he's the next Connor. This is the next Ian Gary. Ian Gary looks so silky on the feet, and he's so big for welterweight. He's so tall and long, where he just made Neil Magny look kind of small in the ring. Where it's Neil he Magny. He definitely did. Because, you know, he's overfighting. But no, nah, just I agree with that wholeheartedly. Ian Gary is just a problem. And you don't gotta say that he's the next, he's the next Ian Gary. He's the future. He's the future. But like Ian yeah, Machado like, Gary. That's so good. Like, and, and I love his mindset behind it. Like, yo, I don't want to rush nothing. I want to put on the best fights and I want to continue to grow as a full as a full um, as a full fighter. Brett said he went to he went to Brazil to listen. Yeah, no, he travels. Him and his team will go anywhere where they believe with the best fighter for that practice is at. They'll they travel to Brazil for BJJ. They'll travel to like, I'm not sure, but they probably would go to Russia to go get some sambo training. And like, they will train and go get those real deal teachers. Like, I didn't know that about him, and I found that out during the card. I was like, that's the that's that winning mentality. That's what separates the greats. And that's why, and then he's and then he's Irish, so he's gassed the fuck up, fired up, lit, blooded Irish doing his thing in Boston, Boston. Don't get me wrong, fuck Boston, but he is in Boston doing his thing. Celtics, them leprechauns, boy, like that. He was in with this people. Yeah, I I fuck with Ian Gary. I fuck with Ian Gary. And I fuck with Ian Gary, and like hopefully he just keeps on winning. And I I like the fact that he doesn't stray away from the ideas of good fights, like. He wants to fight Wonder Boy next, and he's gonna strike with Wonder Boy. He's like, he's like, bro. I mean, wrestling might happen, but like, nah, man. Like, we're going in this bitch to strike. I want to show that I can be one of the best strikers in um in the in the um division. I with love strike. that fight. I love that fight. But you know, Wonder Boy probably gonna curve. They say Dana won't. Dana saying Wonder Boy kind of just holding on to the spot. You're not trying to fight nobody better than him. What about was- Ian Gary versus Kevin Holland? That's nice, but that doesn't move him up. No, that's probably true. Don't move him up. But I mean, Kevin, I just, Holland, Kevin Holland probably doesn't want to fight at one seventy. That's true. He did talk about moving back up to one eighty five. But I would love the Wonder Boy fight because I think this fight can win. But he's, I think there's a handful of fighters that he can beat moving up in that division after just off the performances. Because you're not like people thought the, you know, when people talk about going from college football to NFL, there's a, there's a difference. Like that's how it is when you go from fighting unranked guys to ranked guys in MMA, and we I haven't seen I haven't seen Ian Gary look any different from the first guy he fought in UFC to now beating Neil Magny at eleven. Nah, dead ass. But and that's the beauty of it, and he's taking his time and getting better with it, and that's why I kind of respect the way Sean O'Malley did it because we 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 talk all this shit, we talk all that stuff, we like oh yeah we love it, and then we think yeah Gilbert Burns can fight anybody. But then when he loses, when he when he um throws out his shoulder in the first round against Bilal, we're like, damn, he probably should have waited. That wasn't a good idea. 
we want to see everybody fight, everybody do this, everybody do that. Terrence McKinney, like, and then niggas get knocked out. Then it's like, man, fuck T-Rex. So I do like the fact that they've kind of, I understand it now, they're getting used to it and they're building their skill sets. I fuck with dudes like that. So they're only going to go up and up from here. People thinking that Geoff Neal would have made the difference. I don't know. The way Ian Gary looked that night, Saturday, he would look like he was in the zone. I don't know who you put in front of him. And, and Ian Gary brought it, broke it down in a way I've never thought about it before. He was like, you can say Neil Magny took the fight on seven days' notice. But Ian Gary was like, I took the fight on seven days' notice, too. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, they gave him the option. Do you still want to fight on the card? This is your opponent we would give you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'm hoping that they make that Wonderboy fight. But I wouldn't be shocked if Wonderboy says, nah, I'm straight. And then on to their next fight, the fight that I feel like was my golden goose, where my take at least aged well. A lot of my takes on the last card picks, the this card picks, didn't age too well. But the the Rousey, the Nunes, to Whaley handoff, I think is, is going to age really well right now. I said, fuck it, I could look bad. Lemos catches her, submits her, and I'm looking stupid after her first defense on this belt again. But, like, what we just watched Whaley do to Amanda Lemos, there was multiple times where I thought this fight was over. I feel like the 50-48s are very warranted. Uh, not 50 48, but like the 10-8 rounds are very warranted in this fight. First round, second round. Uh, I think it was the second round where uh, uh, Lemos did have like a guillotine locked in for like a split second. But Wei Li, the way. It was like Darce. Oh, yeah, no, it was a Darce, yeah. But the way Wei Li, feet never stop moving. And she's always moving it. Like the way that she's rolling. And always in dominant positions, bro. I'm just saying they're like, she'll have the side, con- she'll be on like side control. And then Lemos tries to like do something to get out of it. And you just see Whaley like a spider monkey, just fucking full 180. Now she's on the other side do- doing everything perfectly. I'm just like, wow, like wrestling, BJJ, striking. And there's no weakness for her. And I really do believe she's going to defend this belt for a long while. No, nah, I respect that. I mean, she fucked her up. Fucked her up. The striking differential was 288 to 21. Paul, I didn't have to look. I didn't have to look that up. I didn't have to check that. I didn't have to look at my notes. That's built in my, that's burned in my brain. Like, I, I did not think that was real. There was no way that shit happened. I can't wait to rewatch this fight. This, Zong Wei Li is a problem. And I would have loved to see her beat Rose, like fight Rose again and beat Rose, avenge that loss, and then just tear that division until, like, she retired on some Amanda Nunez shit. I'm telling you, they're weighing, that fight's going to sell. I said it on the pick. I was like, we're going to get the Rose versus Whaley 3 whenever Rose finally finishes what she's doing. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's two years, three years from now. I think maybe more like next year. But – and then that'll be probably one of the biggest women's fight we've had in a little because no women fight really is gonna be holding it down that Nunes is gone. Let's be honest. Yeah. So that will be the fight that will be big for women's MMA, I think, next year. Mm-hmm. But super quick before we get into the main event, motherfucking, I did want to highlight a couple things that that on the card, like on some quick, quick shit. I will figure out a name. Point out. Point out. So Karina Silva, guillotine choke. One motherfucking second left in the fucking round. Nice. Definitely want to see what the fuck she got going on. Natalia Silva, 30-27, killing on She looked this legit. Was this, this was the fight. Yeah, I was like, if she does good and looks good, she's legit fighter in the division. Oh, if, yeah. she, if she gets beat up and that's a close fight, she just looks good. Mm-hmm. 
and motherfucking. And then we got to talk about the shit where motherfuckers are MMA Twitter is slightly upset about motherfucking. A lot of people are saying Andre Petrovsky um, lost against um, Gerald Mearshart. A lot of people are saying I didn't see the fight. I can't. I'm not even gonna get a take until I rewatch it. But a lot of people are saying Mearshart looked like he could have won. And there are also people that aren't mad about Petrovsky for winning. But a lot of people it's the knockdown. That's what saves Petrovsky. He got a knockdown. That's why I think he. That's why it is a very close fight. But if he didn't knock down Gerard Mearshart. Mearshart did outstrike him. There was very even on the ground. Um, like this is one of Mearshart's better outings in recent memory. But the knockdown does not help when you go to judges. Fact. So I, hey man, it is what they say, man. All right, what you guys say is what you say. I'm gonna rewatch it. I'm gonna let you know. But a lot of people are mad. A lot of people are saying, um, Petrovsky's stock down, down. Down, sell. If you got stock in Petrovsky right now, sell, 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 sell. Because that didn't, that wasn't a great performance. And lastly, I don't know Robo if you saw this fight, but um, yeah, Gregory Rodriguez, Robocop. Yeah, they're saying that he hit the elbow to the back of the head, Paul. It was in the first minute. Did you what you say? I heard the best, the best, the best description I heard about it was imagine you having a mohawk, and it's not just a regular mohawk, nothing too crazy. They're saying, like, bro, hit, like, right there on where the mohawk would get cut. Like, where it goes from mohawk to scout, that's where he hit. And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to have to rewatch it because I do know it, that was the conversation. But when he landed it, I got I can't remember where the ref is because you also got to remember what the ref's view of everything is. And the ref, even though it, it did hit in the back of the head, I believe the ref was on the other side of them. So to the rest view, it looked like he just hit like elbow the whole side of his head. Not that the first contact point was the back of the head. I could be wrong, but I believe the ref wasn't fully on it. But he may have I can't remember where the ref was because that I also saw someone arguing that. Yeah. Like so yeah, see it's a few elbows. Ooh. Okay, so the first so I see the exact elbow they were talking about too. So that second elbow looked but the second elbow, so you see what I'm saying? The second elbow, the ref is on the opposite side of it. Yeah. So all he can see is contact. Like it, it's He just sees contact on the side of the head. Like It is also a, a bang-by-bang moment. Oh, uh, no, Paul. It looks like the ref's looking right at that. But I don't think he's looking at the head. I think he's looking at um to see if um, Jit's still alive. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, see where he's landing right there? His view uh, is at the top angle where all he sees is the side of the side and back of the head and an elbow on top. It's like he it, it's, you can't really see where the elbow lands. You do see it hits the whole this whole region of the head though. Okay. Okay, Paul. Okay. So like that that's why it's it's not like twelve to twelve to six elbows where you're like, hey, that's landing exactly on the back of the head. You're coming mm-hmm. in an angle where I can't tell because this is hitting the back of the head. But this is hitting side of the head. And I can tell if you're making contact first with this or with this. And that's what I'm saying. Bang, bang moment. Okay, 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 okay. When you break it down like that, I can respect that. But I wasn't mad either. You know, I like RoboCop. I was going to pretend like I was going to tell everybody that he he, he, he hit him with punches. I wasn't going to tell nobody to do an elbow. (laughs) Fully legal. Also, he was also hurt pretty badly so if you're a ref you're like this guy's already hurt are you like it's kind of like if he would have landed two inches to the left instead of to the right and it was full side contact the fight's still getting stopped 
So you also got to take that into the mind. I can't remember what the exact term is, but there's like there's a one inch variant or something like that. And that's like the gray area. Like some refs might call it, some refs might not. And that's the game of MMA. As long as you got to play with who you got. Are they like how refs are in football? Are, are they letting the corners and wide receivers get handsy or are they calling it every time? So you got to know who you're dealing with. That's real now. Now, you were talking about stock earlier. And if you happen to be – I, I'm not endorsed by them, but if you're on this little stock app that I use um, – Fantasy predictions or some shit like that. I can't remember the name, but Sugar Sean's stock went from a dollar and like five cents to four dollars and fifty cents, which is a four hundred and forty percent increase. So if you had a lot of stock in it, if you had a hundred dollars in Sugar Sean, it would just turn into four hundred and forty dollars overnight if you had that stock with Sugar Sean. The money line was um, there was a dude that bet eight thousand and he ended up winning. Um, with sugar, we bet money line eight thousand straight up on DraftKings, and we're left with um twenty four twenty four like oh yeah because he was like a two to one underdog, so he got his eight grand back plus the like sixteen thousand he won. That shit is nice. Yeah, so like uh, Sugar Sean, second. If you haven't seen it yet, go look at it. This is the. I mean, when's the last time you saw UFC put the fight onto YouTube immediately after? But Dana White posted a knockout on his Twitter personal. Yeah, like they're trying to promote him. Into, he's already a star in his own right. They're not. You don't have to do much else other than to shoot him to the moon. And they're doing it. They posted the knockout and the whole fight immediately on YouTube. That never happened to UFC for a pay-per-view. So, in general, that doesn't happen. I've never seen them post. like a, They post free fights before the fight. Like, Izzy and Alex too is up there now, but we have to go see that live in person. They wasn't gonna ever let and record on your phone if you want to see that shit again. Usually, there's a good little minute before that comes touches YouTube. So like for them to do it the day of, it just shows how much they're putting behind Sean O'Malley. He gets the second round KO with the mean step back right hand that lands right on the money, over top, patiently, patiently waiting. Finds his shot, lands, and it's big ones. They're haymakers. Head hitting the back of the mat, bouncing back up. And we got ourselves a new bantamweight champion of the world. It's the sugar show from here on out. It happened. I talked so much shit on the cat. I, I, I was wrong. He is champion. I apologize for everything I said. No matter what happens from here on out, there's nothing I can take away from the fact that he just became champion. Bantamweight, like, and be one of the most dominant bantamweight champions we have in recent memory. So, I will say, I my apologies is on really. I forgot to bring the belt out. This champion only speaks to other champions. You feel me? It's true. Only champions can speak on the champions. And Paul's one of the drinking champions five times running, so he can always talk. But um, but this fight was crazy. It was crazy. I'm not going to get my first breakdown yet. I'm going to sit down and congratulate Sugar Shot. Sugar, they should call you Sugar. You're so sweet. That boy had the hands, and he had sweet feet. That's what a lot of people aren't going to respect. I will say Aljo couldn't have taken him down in that first round because Sean didn't want to clinch. Sean didn't want to grapple, and Sean kept moving. And that, even Aljo said in his post-fight interview, in a post-fight um, interview, that side to side shit was not comfortable. You couldn't have set up. So like you can't he was it was having struggles setting up the shots, setting up shots. 
Like the best, the best that Aljo landed on the first round was when he caught him on the cage, grabbed his leg, and was then landing them on, landing those um those jabs to the face. But those were really hurting Sean for it. But it did do enough for him to win the round. So the fact that Sean kept his move, his feet moving, I think is a very under talked about thing that's not going to be talked about as much. And then the fact that he has dynamite on his fucking hands, like that shit was legit, motherfucking. The closest thing we've seen since um Jose Aldo versus Conor McGregor, like you had a very dominant champion, a dude that was fucking a lot of motherfuckers up, and then there's that dude that landed that one on the chin and got you. <laughs> and no one, I mean, I've been seeing the talks of it. He was on the Bradley Martin podcast, and they they paused it. This was all pre-recorded. They they paused it, and then they're like, "Yo, we're not gonna air this." Like. How is like training really going on? Da da da. Because I guess they're somewhat friendly. And then he was like, "I blew my fucking something out." So he, he um he um broke he broke one of his ribs. Broke one of his ribs, so he couldn't roll BJJ for seven weeks. The whole camp, and he didn't like he again. Like, if Aljo would have known that, if anyone would have known that, they would have been like, "Oh, that's crazy talk." Like, well, what? You're about to go fight somebody who specifically dominates on the ground without training any BJJ and not being able to train BJJ because they have a broken rib. And how is that going to play into the fight itself? So, I even more kudos for that. A lot of people withdraw from the fight. He said himself, if yeah. he wasn't main event, he would have withdrew probably if it was co-mate, some shit. So, shot like. I am starting to see he has a lot more dog in him than I gave him credit for. I mean, yeah, definitely, man. Shout out that boy Sean O'Malley. Aljo. I but this is where this is where my breakdown comes, right, Paul? So I think this is when the hate this is when this is when Lou being a this is when this is when people say being a champion, becoming a champion is tough. Winning a championship belt back is tough, is even tougher. But the toughest thing you can do is defend that championship belt. That shit is tough. And I think that's when this is when it comes to defending a belt is way tougher than winning a belt. Because Aljo could have won that fight. He really, really, really could have won that fight. I think I think Sugar was waiting. Sugar would have stayed patient and he would have pulled it. And then he had two choices. He would either look like Sean O'Malley for getting a dominant ass fucking strike that fucking takes um takes Aljo out, or he would look like a Cheeto Vera ass motherfucker that would download and data the whole time until he eventually got wrestled fuck. So Sean shout out Sean for picking the right for picking the right shot, getting it there. But I think Aljo really was playing into the I didn't want to do have a boring fight. Um, I seen that he's his footwork was he's better than I expected. His footwork is there. He's moving around. I can't really land on him. It's just try. I just think he really um he really let the fight itself get to him, and that's what kind of pushed him in this in that position because Brett did not need to be overextended like he was when he and he, there's no such thing as overextending when you're throwing a punch to hit somebody. But like Brett's definitely letting his head go a little bit too far. Like Brett's really putting everything he has because he was trying to land something clean and make this bitch exciting. Like, no, bro, stay dominant like Sean O'Malley did. Sean O'Malley broke his ribs and knew I have to stay. I have to play my game and my game only. There's no – I can't even do like Volk and how Volk was against Islam and just practicing getting out I of um, positions. Nope, can't even play with it. Get the fuck up out of here every time. I This man, my motherfucker wants to grapple, he has to fucking kill me to get me on this fucking floor. He needs the gun. 
So shout out Sean O'Malley, but Aljo could have won this fight, but I do respect the class he had afterwards. He chilled. He didn't trip. Shit definitely sucked. But he gave Sean his props. He congratulated the family. And he showed that, yo, he's not no bitch. And then you got to remember, bro's a high school bro's a high school teacher, finest. He went from being a high school teacher to the most dominant. I wouldn't go far. I wouldn't immediately say the best bandwidth champion ever from a skill set perspective. But he definitely had one of the most dominant runs ever as a bantamweight. Probably one of the most dominant, a top 10, a top 15, top 25 run as just a champion in UFC history since it's only been 30 years. Like, he really put the bantamweight um. And they and they put the bantamweight um bantamweight division back on the map because when's the last time we seen a bantamweight main event? No, that was like, true. That was Dominic like Cruz. lit. That was like lit because like you see like Dominic Cruz and like Cheeto Vera, Cheeto Vera versus Gordon. But them fight night, I'm talking pay per view main event. Dominic Cruz, the only one I could think of. No, that's what I'm saying. The last like main event pay per view bantamweighter was probably Dominic Cruz in his run. So yeah, Aljo, motherfucking. Is what Sean O'Malley is about to do. They're putting this division. They're putting this division back on the map, and you're understanding that this division is so far because everybody's so close and motherfucking skilled. Like Cheeto Vera might get the motherfucking um Cheeto Vera might get the title fight next in December, and we're looking at and he's like ranked like number six, seven, and we're looking like yo he might be able to he might be able his he might have the better skill set than Sean O'Malley all around if he can um fight his bite. So. A lot of the odds have already, like pre-early odds, have dropped on certain sports books already. Where Sugar Sean versus Aljamain rematch, Aljo is the favorite minus one fifty. The Sugar Sean will be the underdog, like plus one twenty. If he fight uh Sanhagen, he will be a slight underdog versus Sanhagen. If he was to fight Marab, it would be a pick'em minus one ten each. Really. Yeah, and then if he's to fight Cheeto, that was the only one where he's the favorite, and he would be favored by like minus one eighty to Cheeto's plus one fifty or something. Yeah, and that's the fight that's gonna be next, just because it's perfect timing. Like everybody else is hurt. Um, I bet you Dana's gonna make Dana's expecting Aljo to go to one forty five because he's already saying this is his last fight at one thirty five. So he's like, no, nah, but you're not just gonna switch because you lost nigga. So like, I don't know. Yeah, I would have to see because I that would be the fight I pick next. Unless Aljo does end up wanting to chase a rematch clause. Oh, then Henry Cejudo was also on the odds. And I think Cejudo was favorited against him also. But very yeah, that, that gives Cejudo something to fight for. I will say that. All of them called him out, too. Well, Marab didn't call him out, but uh, all the other ones started calling out. Now, Marab, definitely, Marab definitely called him out. He said everything fucking possible about this shit. I've never seen Marab so angry before. And, I, and it's all tweets, like. I could just feel the anger coming. I'm like, yeah, I'm just forgetting Rob's a killer at the same time. Well, yeah, Man, and I always I mean, think it's funny. Fight. I mean, but Aljo, Aljo, he played his game. He didn't play Aljo's game. If he would have went in there like how Marab versus Yon, everyone knew Yon had the better striking. So what did Marab do? Shoot an insane amount of takedowns, out cardio him, and broke him down playing his game. Instead, Aljo went in there and wanted to put on a fight for the fans. And I don't fault him for it because he does always get the knock of being boring and people don't like him and all that. But how are you going to come out to the press conference with a backpack on? And then not, and then we didn't see that. We didn't see that. Like You, you leaned into like, oh, I am the backpack motherfucker. I'm going to backpack this motherfucker for all five rounds. I'm going to win. 
and then you go in there and you not you not even actually try to do that. So I was just like, but that's where the de- defending the championship becomes way harder than gaining it. And at the end of the day, man, I I seen his face. The one thing I will say, I seen his face, and he looked like a. It did look like there was a big sigh of relief, like motherfuckers. Because imagine how hard they were hating, man. Now, like, nobody really gives a fuck as much. Like, it's like Thanos, like, okay, the world's over now. Like, what do we do now? And and, he, and people probably might be back on his side that didn't like him for whatever reason. If he does move up or if he gets the rematch, who knows? Maybe he'll have more actual fans. I'd be like, yeah, I like Aljo, actually. Like, he's not the person I can hate on anymore. No, I think it's for him. But one thing I will say is mental health matters, man. I don't know how it feels like with fighters and stuff like that, but I think if Alja wasn't a strong person, shit like that, like the situation, like being on top of the world and everybody hating you for it, I feel like that could really put you in a dark place. All right. Well, off of the dark notes, finish on a high note. Shout out Sugar Sean. Sugar Sean O'Malley, current Bantamweight champion in the world. Can't take it away from him. He did that shit. And his only real loss was when he broke his leg. So, like, if outside of that, oh, like, that's what happened. Is that why he always says that he he's undefeated like still? Yeah. His, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so like that's why he has that. That's why people are begging for the rematch. But uh, and then shout out Song. I mean, continue your dominant run. No one right now at Starweight looks like they can touch you. And shout out. I mean, the three big winners I think were the last three fighters, and then Ian Gary. Like I think anyone who had a question mark on Ian Gary. If you if you still have a question mark on him leaving this fight, I might just say you're only hating at this point because he he looks as legit as they come for a striking background. Facts, and it's okay to hate because Brian's gassed the fuck up. But you just hating you hating for no reason. You hating on the wrong side of the gym, on the wrong side of the club. Homie. And then last but not least, hats off to the tough finale winners, and definitely big hats off to Brad Katana. Double. Only person in history, two-time winner of the Tough Series. And shout-out Cody Gibson. I hope my boy Dana White gives you a contract because you definitely deserved it with that fucking fight y'all put on. Oh, uh, yeah. Shout-out to Hopefully they're future champions. And what we got to get the fuck out of here, as always, it's been Totally Blitz Podcast. Tune in for the boxing Usyk versus Dubois episode coming out this week. Tune in for our UFC Singapore Holloway versus Korean Zombie. And tune in. We're coming back for football, baby. It's coming up. We're going to have some shit coming later these weeks before the season actually kicks off, so stay tuned. And as always, this is Paul Pickle Winham Concha. I'm joined with Kevin, Waterboy, Street Fight Enthusiast, Savoy, the People's Champ. And as always, if y'all didn't know, now y'all know, motherfuckers.